Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Hey guys, how are you doing? I was looking at my analytics the other day, and I also received a message about this, but my podcast is now in the top 200 list of all mental health podcasts in Great Britain. And in my analytics, actually, this isn't surprising to me because my largest amount of listeners are neck and neck between the USA, my home country, and the UK. I get listeners from all over the globe, which I think is so cool, and I want to welcome all of you. But I'm particularly fond of Britain because I actually spent an entire year there in Manchester studying abroad. It was the time of my life, and I really enjoyed experiencing the world from the Brits' point of view. So if you are from Great Britain, stick around until the end of the podcast. I'll tell you a few things I love about your country, and a few things I didn't like. (laughs) And maybe you'll find it funny, maybe you won't. But for the rest of you that aren't from Britain, I see you. I know you were there. Thank you for listening. I've been talking to a lot of you. I've been doing many coaching sessions with listeners that have been reaching out to me, and partly so I can offer them some help, but also so I can get to know what everyone is struggling with, not just my clients. And one thing that has been extremely obvious lately, it's a theme that I see in my clients that I do one-on-one coaching with, but it's also a theme in the people that have been reaching out to me. And it's struggling with the feeling of isolation and how to be alone with themselves. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But before that, I wanted to make a quick announcement. I am doing a webinar on how to not binge and purge. In this webinar, I will take you through what to do when you feel an urge to binge and purge, how to handle that urge, and I'll take you through exactly what I teach my clients, which is how to feel your feelings, how to let that urge sink in, and not binge and purge. Super, super important, super valuable, and this is a free webinar. This will also have a Q&A portion. You'll be able to ask me questions throughout the entire webinar and at the end. It should be super amazing, full of value, and I want to give you guys the opportunity to ask me anything you want, so this is a really great place to do that. If you're interested in that webinar, you should sign up using the link below. The webinar will be on July 22nd at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Again, it's free. It's on how not to binge and purge. It'll teach you a lot of valuable lessons that I teach my clients on how to feel your feelings and not binge and purge. So I highly recommend you check it out. A lot of people feel extremely isolated right now, and I'm going to dive in on how to deal with that. The first thing I wanted to say is that If you are feeling isolated, be it just because you were actually alone and quarantined, or you feel isolated because you have this secret other life of binging and purging and you feel like no one else knows the real you, you are not alone. There are millions of people in the world right now that are struggling with the same issues as you, and there are millions that also feel just as alone. The first thing I want you to ask yourself is, why is isolation so hard to tolerate? Why is being alone with yourself so scary. Again, I want you to answer this for yourself before you hear my answer. Take some time to think about it right now. Oftentimes, my clients will say that they don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know how to be alone with themselves. 
they want to just distract themselves all day long. And when I ask them why this is, a lot of them will realize that it's because when they are finally alone, when they no longer have any distractions, they have to listen to what's in their head. And usually the thoughts in their head are not fun to listen to. This happened to me a lot. I was always running for myself. I would do this with food. I would try to numb myself to what I didn't want to think about by stuffing food down my throat and then puking it back up every day after work. And after I was done, I was too mentally and physically exhausted to think about anything or feel much of anything. But it wasn't just food. I would always have a podcast playing or something going on in the background as noise that would drown out the thoughts in my head. I was always trying to distract myself from something. But I was really avoiding the constant worry I had going on in the back burner of my mind. I would worry about my job, whether I could pay rent or not, whether I would be gaining weight or not, whether I was liked or not, whether I would end up homeless or not. I was constantly harassing my mind with what ifs. I was never able to be present in the moment with people or myself. It was just a constant haze of only being able to see the potential disastrous future and never the pleasant one that was right in front of me. And if I wasn't worrying about life and the dangers that possibly lurked around the corner, I would mentally abuse myself. Occasionally, I would write down how much I hated myself. I would look in the mirror and tell myself I was a pathetic excuse for a girl and a waste of space. And I'm sorry to get kind of dark here, but I'm trying to help you see why I struggled to be alone with myself. It's because being alone with, with myself was like coming home at the end of the day, knowing you were going to come home to an abusive spouse. If you struggle to be alone, you might want to check in on why that is. What is going on in your mind when you finally have time to think? A lot of times when I ask clients what they like about themselves for the first time, they can't think of anything. That's how mean they are to themselves. You have to stop treating yourself like shit. It doesn't help you. It doesn't motivate you to be a better person. It only keeps you in the space of addiction and depression. This doesn't mean that you have to suddenly love yourself and be happy all the time. Life is not always happy or fun. And you can't suddenly love yourself. You have to build up to that. You can start with just not being abusive with yourself. When you see yourself in the mirror, when you normally would say, look at my fat, disgusting stomach, you can just say, there is a stomach and there is a thigh. Look at it as neutrally as possible and simply practice having respect for your body and mind. Your body got you this far. It helps you live each day. It gives you the ability to move around and experience life. Respect it. Make a pact with yourself right now to simply respect it. Appreciation and love will come later. Now that we have the negative thoughts covered, you are left with only you. This is where people feel restless because they are used to constantly running from themselves. As soon as you are alone with yourself, your brain immediately, immediately goes to, what can we do? The most common answer for my clients are, we could eat. That would be fun. <clears throat> because eating food and getting a dopamine hit and sugar rush is way more fun than sitting there alone with yourself to think. Some of you guys may have gotten so good at drowning your own thoughts out that you don't even have many thoughts going on. When you take the time to simply think, it just becomes silence and that scares you too. All you can do is sit with the silence and then in the background think, what now? What now? So what I'm going to offer you is that you need to practice being alone with yourself and thinking. Maybe it's just for five minutes to start. I personally find it easier to do this when you are in a relaxed position, like lying down. During this time, observe your mind. See where it goes, what thoughts it offers you, what it feels like. 
be curious. If your mind seems kind of blank when you shut down all the other distractions and you're meditating, try asking it questions. Ask what you want to do today. How are you going to take care of yourself today? How are you going to appreciate yourself? Asking questions can really get the cogs turning and reawaken that thinking part of you. You'll probably find that you feel kind of fidgety and you also feel kind of bored. This is normal. But what you will also find is that it isn't intolerable. Just kind of uncomfortable. But after a while, meaning you've been practicing it for a few days or weeks, you may find that you enjoy that time to yourself. It's a real treat to be able to have time to yourself. It's a luxury that a lot of people don't give to themselves. The more you can practice feeling your emotions and being alone, the easier it will become to handle coming home at the end of the day and finding that you are alone. It won't be as scary because one, you're not giving yourself a mental beatdown at every waking moment, and two, you will know how to feel bored and handle it. I would also offer that while practicing being alone with yourself is helpful, you should also start trying to use that time to be productive. Is there anything you've been wanting to do forever, but you always say you don't have time? Here is your opportunity. All of you have so much creativity locked up in your brain that you don't even use. You don't give yourself the credit for things you have done, and you don't give yourself the chance to create something really amazing because you discredit yourself before you even try. Try to utilize the isolation time to be creative. Maybe it's writing a book. Maybe it's making a garden. Maybe it's hitting a PR in the gym. Maybe it's starting a podcast. <laughs> uh, you have no idea what you are capable of if you just try. And if you don't want to be productive, which is fine, we all need breaks, take time to treat yourself. Make a face mask, treat yourself to a spa day every day, and do self-care things. A lot of times we don't take care of ourselves, especially when we're depressed, and self-care is incredibly important. The last thing I want to offer in isolation is a very simple concept. It's to reach out to people. In my eating disorder, I felt incredibly alone. And this was way before quarantine, so I had every opportunity to talk with people. But I had made up all of these lies about myself that I started to isolate myself from all of my friends and family because I assumed they thought the same thing. And a lot of my friends faded away as I stopped going out to parties and I turned down many invitations because I was afraid of food or I thought I was too awkward or I thought I looked too fat. Once I turned down someone too many times, people stopped reaching out to me. And I made that mean that I was a terrible person and, and unlovable. But that was never true. My friends all liked me. I just cut myself off from them. After I had worked through my own issues of self-hatred, I was looking for new friends because I realized I didn't have that many left. So what I actually ended up doing was starting two meetup groups. This is before COVID-19, but they turned out to be really very successful, much to my surprise. I have an art background, and I went on meetup because I was trying to look for other artists so I could sketch with, and there was no club that had anything like that in my area. So I started one, and all of a sudden, all these people came together, and they sketched with me, and they were really excited about the group I created. But that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't just cultivated the community. What the point of that story is, is that sometimes you have to create new friends, and the way to do that is to create a community, cultivate it. Even though we're in quarantine right now, you could create another online community there's something you're really passionate about, why not put a group out there and try to get people to join it, just for fun, just for people to talk to. 
You can also friend people on Instagram, respond to their stories. If they like the same thing as you, you can make friends that way. It's kind of like dating, but, <laughs> and you're, you're trying to find new friends to date, you know, think of it that way. And then after I had realized that to make new friends, I have to reach out and I have to actually try and talk to people and get to know people. Then I applied that to my old friends that I had originally isolated myself from. I started simply by responding to some of their stories on Instagram, or I just sent them a nice heartfelt message wishing them well. And you know what? A lot of them responded positively, and I ended up rekindling a lot of amazing friendships. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't just reached out. A lot of people are just like you. We are all social creatures, and we like being in a pack. Everyone needs connection. So everyone is just like you, looking for some, someone to be friends with or find a romantic connection with. People will respond to, some, to someone reaching out. You just have to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to make the first step. We often worry about what that person will think, and we make up all these things about how they will probably think you were desperate and pathetic, but that's all in your head. And if they seriously think those things, then fuck them. <laughs> you probably don't want someone like that in your life anyway. If they don't like you, that is their problem, and you get to choose whether you want to be friends with them or not. You have to be brave. You have to be vulnerable, and you have to stop waiting for people to reach out to you, and you have to make the first move. I hope that helps some of you guys who are feeling alone right now. I promise if you start treating yourself with more compassion and practice being alone with yourself, you will start to not mind having times alone. And you will certainly stop feeling so isolated if you start reaching out and making genuine connections with people. I promise. If you are having trouble talking nicely about yourself, and it feels really difficult for you to try to say anything kind to yourself, I highly recommend you download my free course. It's the Drop the Self-Judgment free course, and it teaches you how to take all that negativity out of your brain and start re-identifying with a more positive way of thinking. This is a very important first step to take in recovery. You can find that link in the show notes below. And if you are looking for help with recovery, the best way to do this is to have someone supporting you every step of the way. I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching to help you quit binging and purging once and for all and live a balanced life. If you are thinking about working with me, you can expect multiple weekly video coaching sessions and daily text support from me. I help you assess your habits, what's going on in your mind, and help you become aware of that so that you can start taking control of your life again. If you want to work with me, you can go to my website at bingebreakers.com. Oh, and I didn't forget about you Brits. Here are some confessions about things I like and don't like about um, Great Britain. I will start with the bad things and then end on the things I actually like. And so we'll end on a high note. Two pet peeves I have about um, Britain or Manchester at least. My biggest pet peeve about living there was the coffee. I'm sorry, but I don't know what it is about Brits, but everyone I met drank instant coffee. I would go over to someone's house and they would be like, oh, do you want coffee or tea? And because I'm American, I would be like, yeah, um, give me some coffee. And then they would pull out a can of instant coffee and I would think, uh, what are you doing? Where's your coffee pot? Where's your French press? Where's your percolator? No, instant coffee is the thing over there. And even if you go to Starbucks, a lot of their coffee is made with this weird Nespresso machines. 
I was really excited to return home purely for the um, experience of going to Starbucks or something and getting espresso shots and iced coffee. And the other thing that threw me for a loop was the greeting in in uh, at least Manchester and Great Britain. I don't know if it's the whole of the UK. In the US, a common phrasing or greeting is, how are you? And you commonly say back, I'm good, and how are you? It's basically the same thing as saying hello, or a polite way of saying, hi, I care about you as a human being, and I acknowledge your existence. <laughs> That's what that means in the US. In Great Britain, the equivalent to this is, are you alright? And I believe you're supposed to say back, yeah, are you alright? Or, you alright? This is Great Britain's equivalent to, how are you? But I didn't know that. If you say this to someone in America, then you genuinely are concerned about them and you think they look ill or something. It means something's wrong with your appearance or the way you're talking. So this caught me off guard so many times, especially when I first came over there and I didn't know. So people would ask me if I was alright and I would be like, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm alright. Am I not okay? Is something wrong with me? Do I look okay? It was hilarious. And each time someone told me, I had to pause and be like, no, that's how they say hi, Jacqueline. It's, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so that's two things I didn't like about um, Great Britain. Two things I loved about Great Britain. One, while you guys don't have good coffee, you guys really like tea. And therefore, you have gotten really efficient at making boiling water in order to make tea. So it doesn't matter where you go in Great Britain or the UK for that matter, there's always an electric kettle. And an electric kettle just boils water for you really quickly. In America, people still use stovetop kettles to boil water. <laughs> and when we make pasta, we wait for the water to boil. But my American friends and I, when we all roomed together in Manchester, we all felt super smart when we realized we could use the kettle that came with our student housing to boil pasta very quickly. It's, it's awesome. Awesome invention. I've invested in a kettle. It's great. <laughs> Second, I loved the social culture there, or the pub vibes um, in Great Britain. It seemed to me, at least in the city of Manchester, that there was this real sense of hanging out and connection between the people. And people seem to be so inviting for you to join their group, even me as a loud, obnoxious American. It seemed like the culture there was to hang out with your mates after work, grab a drink at the pub, and chat about life. In America, during the week, as far as I know, you go to work and you come home. But in Manchester, at least, there was this unique sense of camaraderie that I really enjoyed while I was there. Just hanging out at the pub, chilling and laughing together, creating connection and lasting memories between friends. It was really, really wonderful, and I definitely enjoyed it. So that's the episode, guys. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed my little stories. I hope you Brits out there that are listening aren't offended, <laughs> um, but I really did love your country. I hope that this episode made you feel less alone, and you're going to use some of the things that I su suggested to try to help with your isolation. You can be alone with yourself, and it should be a rewarding time. You just have to treat yourself kindly. And if you're feeling like you don't have any friends or connection, try reaching out to some friends. Make the first move. Be brave. Okay, I will see you guys next week. Bye. I'm